Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to the newly branded Garden State Podcast and the Believe Podcast Network. This week is another edition of the Knights of the Roundtable to discuss the 2021 Rutgers men's lacrosse team. We are halfway through the regular season with the Scarlet Knights being ranked number 7 in the country with a 5-2 and two record. Ranking second in the Big Ten with the only losses coming against Maryland. I was joined by a couple former players as well as Rutgers legend coach Rick Mercurio to discuss their feelings about how this season is going after the team lost to Maryland 13-9 on March 28th. But first, a word from our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The Masters is here. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Now, let me introduce the former players that helped me break down the nights. First, we have recurring guest host and 2018 team captain, Austin Ozzie Devickis. Then we have three-time academic All-Big Ten member and 2018 graduate, Steve Hillenbrand. And last but certainly not least, we have 2017 and 2018 team captain, two-time All-American, 2018 Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, and just recently the ninth overall pick in the PLL entry draft for Atlas LC, and 2018 graduate, Michael Rexroad. Now joining us, an extremely special guest, a 1975 graduate, three-time NCAA tournament participant, ECAC Scholar-Athlete of the Year, Long Island Lacrosse, Suffolk Sports, Rutgers Athletic, and Sachem High School Hall of Famer, was head lacrosse coach at Sachem High School from 1985 to 2005, garnered 316 wins, was a three-time Section 11 Division I Coach of the Year, also was National High School Lacrosse Coach of the Year in 1995, won 16 league and division titles, and won a New York State Championship in 1993. While also was an assistant coach on the 2014 Russian National Team and serves on the Federation of International Lacrosse Development Committee, he currently handles the color commentary for the Rutgers home games. Coach Rick Mercurio. We've seen some big games in the past here at High Point Solutions Stadium. None bigger today, here and now. Well, we talked about it right from the get-go. Coach Breck was hoping his team would come out fast and furious, and they have so far. Can we let him get his hands free, and he's going to bury that rock in the back of that basket. And here we go. There was a lot of heat on that. Oh, look at the snow behind him. Okay, it's melting. That ball went from the stick to the cage, like raw spaghetti, man. They were on a rope. Seventh season. Yeah, they just tenured him as a professor here. Running down. Going down. Like a locomotive. But a bang! Rutgers has numbers, Lou. Here we go. And the shot. Bang! He took knowledge out of his kid's pocket. Watched it. Bang! Put that ball on the ground, and they're off to the races. And they're on none better than the RU offense. In transition, fully jumping Joe. Watch this. That's your typical bottom bang, bottom bang, bottom boom. Move the ball. Bang, 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 boom. Just gets the shot. He, he paid the price on it, but it's a good price to pay. A great win for the Rutgers in the Big Ten. Oh, look at it. Pass the shot. Goal. We say what here in Jersey, Luke? Bottom bang, bottom boom, bottom bang. Coach, how are we doing tonight? 
I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, fellas. So it's an honor to have you. Obviously, you're a huge name in the Rutgers lacrosse community. And, you know, as our fellow Rutgers lacrosse alumnus, we are really, really appreciative of your time tonight. So my first question to start off just, you know, just in general is what are your initial impressions of the 2021 Rutgers men's lacrosse team? Well, I think it's, you know, I've seen a lot of lacrosse teams go through Rutgers, obviously, being the old guy that I am. By the way, you know, when I first started as a student at Rutgers, you know, they still had those white wigs and those British red caps, some of my professors, uh, red jackets. So that's how old I am. But, you know, I've seen a lot of great teams come through Rutgers. I had the privilege to participate on, on a few of them. Uh, but the 2021 team is special. And it's special in, in a lot of different ways. Uh, obviously, they're a very talented team. Um, but Brian, I, I talk to coach Brecht often, um, I don't get to see him a lot this year with COVID and, and such, but I get to sp speak to him a lot and he loves this team. He loves the kids that are on his team. And by the way, uh, before we go any further, you 2018 guys, you know, this is, this is the culmination. It's never just the seniors. It's the culmination of the seniors that were there when they were freshmen. And with the exception of a few people that came in this year, uh, you guys were a great team and you saw and your team. And, but what you've done to set the, the groundwork for that team in 2020, this team in 2021, um, you know, I think that says a lot for the, for the character uh, and the, and the people that you guys are and the players that you were. Uh, but what set this, what sets this team aside? Um, you know, in any given year, you know, as a coach and a coach a long time, you wish you had players you wish you had a face-off guy from last year. You wish you had the goalie from the previous two years, you, you know, and, ha and had them all fall in the same team because in any and in any year you have great players at positions, key positions. Uh, but this year, you know, you, you know, coach Breck was able to get all a lot of the pieces that fit together. He's got it. He's got a defense that I think as we talk about it uh, is a work in progress. I think that if you're going to pick, any part of this team that can improve uh, to get them to the national championship day, it's going to be that defense. And they have the tools to do it. Uh, you could always coach defense. Um, they have a goalie that they brought in and cursed. Um, they have, without an exception, that, that attack is the best attack they've had collectively, three guys playing on the same field at Rutgers in, in a long, long time, maybe always, ever. Um, and then they have that rope unit. There's no denying it. That rope unit is is phenomenal because you got guys on that rope unit who in the past were probably the big parts of their offense, and now they're the rope unit, um, and, and they've accepted that role. So you got a lot of different pieces of the puzzle that makes this team an exceptional team. Yeah, no, I would I would completely agree. I mean, there's so I think another funny thing just about the team too is just how old everyone is. If you look at the attackman, AC is a seventh year senior. Kieran Mullins is a fifth year senior, but he's 24. And you have Connor Kirst, who is 23, almost 24 too. So you have an average of 24 years on that attack line. So that makes it probably easier for some of the young guys like Shane Knobloch no. to, you know, ingratiate himself into the team. So I, I know I just mentioned him, but for you. Some of those guys are collecting social security. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. It's unbelievable. But um, what is your, what has been the biggest pleasant surprise going into this year after watching the first half of the season? The biggest surprise is facing off the uh, Henio. And a lot of guys say DeGenio, but it's the Henio because Coach Pelt tells me all the time, will you please pronounce his name right? I don't pronounce anything right. Why would I pronounce his name right? 
But Dehenio is a big surprise to this team. You know, I saw him, I think I did the game. I'm sure I did the game last year, uh, St. John's, when Rutgers played St. John's. And I walked away a little aggravated seeing a kid from Bridgewater Raritan kick our ass uh, on that field. And it literally did. I think he won almost every face-off. And I'm thinking, you know, how is this kid not here? And I made the first phone call I got when I got in the car was Coach Appel. And I said, you know, hey, you know, what's the deal here? You know, kids go where they want to go and for a different reason. So I was more in, in jest and, and fun. But uh, and, and to congratulate him on having a kid of that caliber um, at the face-off exit for St. John's. But then when I found out that he was coming to Rutgers, I was real excited because, I, you know, I, I – I knew I kind of knew kids of potential. The, the season was cut short uh, last year, and I would have liked to follow his progress more last year. Uh, but coming in to, to this season, uh, I think he's holding his own, and I think he's doing a great job. And I think the new face-off rule really helps him. Uh, where it didn't help some face-off uh, specialists, yeah, I think it helped him. Yeah, no, I would completely agree. He's been really, really good. I know that the faceoff rule now is basically trying to get the ball out. And, you know, as we saw during like the Ohio State game, there was a couple runs where he, I think he had two goals that game where really yeah, yeah. sparked, sparked Rutgers where they, I mean, they ended up winning 22 to 12, you know, partially because of the faceoff effects and they were able to, you know, get everybody, everybody involved in that attack. I think probably had 15 plus points that day. Um, I know it's a, I know we're coming off a huge loss against Maryland. Those were the only two you know, uh, strikes against us this year with two losses. Maryland's a really, really good team. They're good all over the place. Um, Yesterday, they made a couple, you know, mistakes that Maryland didn't, and they capitalized off. Do you really think that losing to Maryland is a real concern, or is it more that Maryland is just that really good? Because I think this Rutgers team is probably is one of the best Rutgers teams in forever, and even since we were there. But do you think that's more of a concern, or is it just a testament to how good Maryland really is? Well, there's, there's a couple of factors. As a coach, you have to know that you, you, you can't sulk. There's no time for sulking, especially in a big time. So whatever happened yesterday, you can't, you know, you want to say, okay, well, what are the negatives? You, you know, I, and I'm sure Coach Breck knows this. You can go in and say, we did this wrong, we did this wrong, and we did this wrong, and this is why we lost. But you can't do that. You can't, well, you can. You have to look at game film and say, okay, we got to fix these mistakes. But the things you got to do is say, hey, it's what we got to do better, uh, more or less. And, and yesterday, you know, in key spots, let's face it, they had one bad quarter. They did in the first game, they the fourth quarter in the, in the first game, and yesterday in the second quarter, it got away from them a little bit. But, you know, all things being said, they threw some balls away that they wouldn't normally do in the circumstances, not being pressured on, on clears, just passing six-on-six six offense. Um, and, you know, and, and in games like that, you, you hate to say it because you make your own you know, you're in charge of your own destiny. That ball didn't bounce off in our, in our way yesterday. Those balls were coming out of the scrum, and it looked like every time it came out, it went into Maryland's stick. Um, but, you know, that being said, listen, it, Maryland's a great team. We have to find it. We have to find a couple of answers for a couple of their key players. And uh, you, you can't say, hey, listen, we can't beat them. We tried twice. We can't beat them. That's bull. You know, you in the Big Ten, anybody, let's, I got to tell you, anybody, even Michigan, can beat somebody in this Big Ten on any given day. You know, Michigan's got an offense that I think is a sleeping giant. Penn State is starting to come into their own. Ohio State is still Ohio State on any given day. And Hopkins, you know, you got to realize Hopkins didn't start practicing until February. So any of these teams could win in the Big Ten. You know, my concern is when we get, and I know you're going to ask this, about going into the, you know, into into the tournament, you're leaving it to the hands it's of the coming. committee. It's coming because it was there in 2016. And when I see Quinn Questenix 
uh, you know, top 10 today, whatever it is, picks all top 20, five out of six are in the ACC. Well, there's no room for five out of six going to that tournament other than the, you know, the automatic qualifier. And, you know, a, a few years back when Rutgers came in second in that big 10, and it still bothers me, came in second, beat Hopkins twice and Hopkins gets in and we're not. So you don't want to leave it in the hands of the committee. Your destiny is in your own hands. Um, I think Rutgers has to run the table here, go, you know, beat everybody else in, in this big 10. And I don't think that they could say, Hey, listen, we're only taking one from the big 10. Everybody in the ACC must be great. So even when they lose, they're great. So, uh, you know, uh, those are my concerns. And I know that's going to come up. It always does. <laughs> always. It always I want to be, on, I, mean, I want to be in that selection committee. I want to be on that selection committee. Just 10 minutes, just 10 minutes. Close the door. Now you can't leave, right? Basically. <laughs> I want to shut the door and say, let's really talk about how to select these teams. No, I, I, I completely agree. It's um, but this leads into my next question before I know some of the other guys want to talk is basically obviously with COVID it's we're big Ten's only doing a conference only schedule this year. So they're double round Robin big 10 uh, compared to other years. Do you think that even though that's more of a grind of schedule and, you know, we always talk about the NCAA tournament Rutgers hasn't made the NCAA tournament since 2004 where um, you know, they were, they were a really good team. You know, you're one of your former players, my high school coach, Jamie Lovejoy was a captain of that team. Um, do you think that having a Big Ten schedule helps or hurts them in terms of the eyes of the committee? It, 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 it's double-edged sword. It definitely help, helps them because everybody you're playing week in and week out is, is good. So, you know, you're, you're going to walk with wise men, you're going to get wiser. And, and, and this, the teams that play against are all quality teams. The problem is how do, you, how do you go to the RPI? How do you do strength of scheduling when you're saying, hey, you know, you're only playing within your, your division. You know, how do you, how do you, you know, compare somebody in ACC? And I'm only saying ACC and the Big Ten right now because I really mm -hmm. think those yeah. are the two strength conferences. But how do you compare when they don't play each other? Oh, there's no uh, nobody else that's played the other teams. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Hopefully that they get in the tournament this year. I mean, you know, there's still a long way to go. There's still four games, but um, it's one of those things where I hope that, you know, they can ride out the rest of the schedule. All the big 10 teams make the tournament this year. So hopefully that, you know, they'll come together as a team after this loss and that they'll be able to ride out the last of this big 10 schedule because you have four big chances right here that they kind of have to get. You can't really let up week to week. That's how important the big 10 schedule is. Yeah. That big 10 tournament is going to be great in itself. Oh, um, Taters, you got any other questions for the 2021 team, or can we backpedal here and talk about his history? Not backpedal. All right. So, no, no listen, back, backpedal, listen, backpedal. You when you start talking about my history, be real careful where you go with it. <laughs> so, I guess my first question well, a little tidbit. So, you graduated in 1975. You've been to three NCAA tournaments, correct? That's correct. Okay. None of us have been to the NCAA tournament. So, um, <laughs> you're three up on us on that one. Uh, but how did you get into the commentating world at Rutgers? How did that start? It's, it's interesting. I, well, first of all, Brian played for me. Coach Brett played for me. Um, and I think a few years back, uh, somebody wasn't able to make, uh, you know, be the color commentator for one of the games. And he said, you know, somebody asked Coach that if he knew anybody who could talk. So – <laughs> anybody could bs <laughs> for so i guess he called me one day and asked if i'd be interested in doing it and um i said hey listen um and i think at the time i was doing some 
I was doing some Fios one sports TV, high school teams. Um, so I had some kind of background in it. Uh, and he knew that. Um, and I did, I think I did one college game, Duke, Boston college on Fios TV. So I had some background, not a lot. Um, you know, and, and again, believe me, I'm not an expert at this. <laughs> I do it. I, I, I have fun with it. Um, you know, I've worked with great professional people, Lou Brogno, who's the play-by-play. I tell them every game when they do it, I don't know how you do it. You know, he's just ripping off names and that guy passed and that guy passed and that guy, I have to watch the replay three times to know who scored. <laughs> so, you know, so, you know, uh, so I, that's how I got into it. Cause, cause Brian was my, you know, played for me and somebody asked him if he knew somebody that could do the game. And I wound up doing it and, I think I'm stuck with it for a while until I get fired, <laughs> which may happen after any game. And then uh, following up on that, how do you prepare for a game? So for, for reference here, Bruce Buffer, the UFC is the commentator guy. Like I saw his notes before he does his presentation. It's like highlighting capital letters. So do you do any of that? How do you prepare? Well, I, I got to tell you, first of all, I love it because, you know, it keeps me engaged with lacrosse. It keeps me, you know, otherwise, you know, from year to year, but thinks they know, know, you know, they know what, who's doing what, what they read on inside lacrosse or, or here on some podcast. But when you're doing a game, you realize you really have to, you know, if you don't want to be an idiot, which I probably am anyhow, but <laughs> you really do have to prepare. And you're right about the notes. I have 10, I start with maybe I, I get like 10 pages of notes and stats, and then I try to limit it down, uh, you know, doing the home team is fine because week after week, you start to know the home team, obviously Rutgers, and you see them over a four year time. So you know the personnel and what they're, what they're capable of doing. But I do go on the internet and you try to, and, and now there's a lot of streaming that goes on. And then I tape every ESPN game and all the big 10 games. And if the games are on there, I watch all the games, just like when I coach, I break them down and, you know, and, and I fine tune it. I look to see, the obvious stuff, what kinds of zones that they run, what kind of defenses are they running, the matchups, what, what they do in certain situations so that I could bring it up during a game. Um, and yes, it, it takes me, somebody says, how long, you know, how long do you do it? It's, it takes me three days to prepare for a game. Wow. Yeah. You know, I'm a little bit slow on the uptake. But <laughs> <laughs> Just like in college guys would read a book in like three days. I, you know, I, I read Dr. Seuss. It takes me two weeks. So, <laughs> But, you know, I do. I do prepare. And, you know, I like to be overprepared, just like when I taught or when you coach, you overprepare. Rex, I got to ask you a question, Rex. All right. I always, you know, I, you know during those, during those uh, breakfast pregame and stuff, I can never ask players like funny stuff because okay. Coach Breck, like, you know, be a little uptight. I try to loosen them up, you know, give them some orange juice. But, you know. Especially Rex. You can't mess with them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, but you had a stat that I just I, – I, it's got to be wrong. Like you caught like 17 passes in a football game. Yeah. Yeah. Is that I, true? Uh, Who were you yeah. playing? The sisters of the Holy poor. I, I, yeah, basically uh, <laughs> 17 passes. Yeah. It was, uh, it was the best football game I ever played. It was our homecoming football game. And, uh, taters can probably show me up on the football field as far as <laughs> that goes. But, uh, I, yeah, I don't know. We had our other two wide receivers were just, were hurt they both had concussions so I was like the only target for my quarterback and our starting quarterback was hurt and the backup quarterback was one of my best friends so oh. he just kept throwing me the ball and please then, tell me uh, you won the game yeah we won on a 48 yard field goal and I had three touchdowns and 
like a two point conversion. And I got to watch this film. Did the other team show up with uniforms? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I guess they let, yeah, they might have, they left everything on the bus. But <laughs> no, really. That, that's, that's quite an accomplishment. Oh, that's, that's unbelievable. Good for you. Congratulations. Yeah. Well, I always you. want their, that was on, you know, like when you talk about 13 pages of notes. That's yeah. something I had on my notes from every game that you played in, and I could never get it into the game. So my dad made my, my dad made a highlight reel for my senior football season, and it had one game on it. It was that game. It I can't just, imagine why. It was just two minutes. <laughs> yeah, it was like two minutes of that game, just just on, with like a little music in the background. He loves the showing that every chance we bring up football. But wow, yeah. and it was the backup quarterback. Backup quarterback, yeah. And he, wow, he must have wrote you a lot of love letters after that game. <laughs> he just kept throwing me the ball, and I was like able to come down with it. I don't know. It was a, it was like my best game. Yeah, after that, they, 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 fired, they fired the coach on the other team that after that game. I hope uh, yeah. defensive quarterback, yeah, secondary. I knew a lot of guys on the other team and like the cornerbacks and everything. My girlfriend at the time actually went to that high school, so she was and the football coach was the PE teacher. And she said she was walking by the weight room and the football coach had a, like the secondary in the weight room. And she just could hear him yelling at them. Like you let him catch it left. You let him catch it. Right. He could, he, you just let him walk all over you. It, like it, she, yeah. said she, made eye, she made eye contact with the guys in there. And like, they were all so defeated looking at her. So <laughs> it was honestly like the best time possible to show out for a game homecoming against the girlfriend's high school. So yeah, it was a, uh, bit of a miracle game for me but yeah. so so now you're, you're gonna play with uh, atlas now yep yep uh drafted what was it thursday so yeah i'm, I'm really excited um uh, you know we have a few outlaws guys going to the team and uh so it'll be good nice. to know people there and they, they nice you know they kind of cleaned house a little bit um going getting ready for the drafts and stuff so i think our team's gonna be pretty good brand new. yeah I'm, I'm really excited to get going and uh it's gonna be weird playing against some of the, some of the I know. guys, you know, Nardella. Get to see all your Rutgers guys in the in the in professional lacrosse. Yeah. Hey, it's great for Rutgers, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Don't show you the quality of lacrosse players that are coming out of Rutgers now. Yeah, and I've been talking smack to Jules all year. Yeah, <laughs> be ready. <laughs> He's the best, baby. He's the oh. best. Oh yeah, so he better He's just good for lacrosse. And, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, Rick, while I got your attention, I got to ask you while we're talking about Coach Brecht and played for you, what was he like as a Who's player? Coach Brecht? <laughs> you know, you know, Brian. <laughs> uh, what was he like as a player? Because in the locker room, I felt like, you know, like you said, uptight. He didn't, he didn't let his hair down very often, but when he did, I felt like it was always kind of like it was always a hilarious story. So I can only imagine like how you know him. Uh, Brian's a great kid. He comes from a great family. You know, it, you know, I at Sachem, I had great kids. You know, typical middle class, hard nosed kids. They they all were. Coach Breck was one of them. Uh, you know, he's a late bloomer. I mean, he's he's twice as tall and twice as big as he was in high school. He was a skinny little thing. You know, uh, the Irish guys do that, I guess. But uh, <laughs> the Italian guys are walking around shaving. The Irish guys are walking around still growing by the minute. Uh, but yeah, yeah. In high school, he was just a great kid to coach. He was, you know, that that quote unquote coachable kid. That was that was Coach Brecht. And um, you know, if you follow his career, uh, he's a student of the game. He's you know, he's an assistant at a lot of different great great colleges. And um, yeah, he, he was he was quiet. He was quiet. He's he's quiet now. 
you have to kind of like draw draw a conversation out of him. He doesn't curse much either. I got I got to get him to break that. He's not, you know. I said, hey Brian, you're, you're from Long Island. I get, you got you got to throw them in there once in a while. <laughs> Ozzy, Ozzy, do you want to take that one? I'm not saying anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure in that locker room there were a couple of times he let his head down with that one, right? Yeah. yeah. Ask, ask the boys who were at film today if he curses much. <laughs> yeah. Rick, you can't you can't forget Rick. You're part of the media now. He's got a whole different filter on with you than he does now. Yeah. yeah. A whole different filter. Yeah. Yeah. You got to be nowadays. You know, kid. You know, uh, ten ten guys in that locker room have that their cell phones out. <laughs> you never know what you. You know, and you never know when that's going to show up. So my days, you, you didn't have to worry about that stuff. Oh, wow. <laughs> as long as you didn't leave bruises, you were good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Rick, uh, I guess I guess it's my turn here to ask you a question. I wanted, I wanted to ask one, and to be completely honest, my, my other two, uh, my friends here kind of stole two of the questions I had, but I did have one that didn't, has not gotten asked yet. And one is, um, you know, in, in a, in a player's mind right like I can pick out one or two games that really stand out throughout my career as like my favorite games whether it was because it was the team we were playing the kind of victory or, or like you know personally how I played so from your perspective as a as a commentator is there any games over the last couple of years that just really stick out in your mind that you either watched us play um, or you know, could have been a win could have been a loss that really just stuck out in your mind as being one of your favorite games to commentate or a game that really made, it was like that was a Rutgers lacrosse game right there. You know, anytime you beat somebody in the Big Ten, when you beat Penn State, uh, what was that last year, year before, and Ohio State, one year that I mean, those games stick out. My anytime you beat somebody in the Big Ten, that's rated highly. You know, those are those are good games. Um, you know, I can't think of any in particular because they all kind of blend in. But there are times, you know, I got a long ride. I, I you know, you know, I'm from Long Island. It, it could take you an hour and forty five minutes. It could take you four hours and four days to get home. Um, but on the rides home, there are times where I'm just so excited, you know, I'm jamming, I'm going home. And then there are times where you're not. And, and I always catch myself and saying, you know, I'm not the coach. It shouldn't affect me as much as it does. Um, but I, you know, and I always think of man, like, like yesterday, Sunday rather, uh, that was yesterday. Um, you know, um, Brian in that locker room or going home to his family. Uh, you know, it's gotta be, it, it's tough and you, you have to let it go. But the wins, you, you kind of almost forget the wins. You remember the losses. Even when I was a coach in high school, I said, how does this happen? You remember the tough losses more than you do some of your bigger wins. And I know it's hard to understand, uh, but that you, you, take the, you take the losses more personally as a coach. Uh, and I do as a commentator because, you know, I'm, you know, I'm Rutgers through and through. And uh, when, when you guys lose or lost, in your case, uh, in, in 18, uh, you know, it, it affects you more than, than the wins. Um, you know, so I, I can't remember any specific games, um, but every game you walk off of that field where you win, especially in the Big Ten, it, 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 it's, it's thrilling. Hey, you know, lacrosse has changed. You know, when I played, you know, if you, pass, if you, if you made six passes in a row, you, you were a pretty good team. You know, <laughs> seriously. You know, uh, uh, but nowadays, I mean, you, you, you see, look, it's it's crazy. Lacrosse is crazy. You guys do things with the, I mean, Rex. I mean, as, as a, a defender, you guys you guys handle the sticks lefty righties like like attack and middies. You know, my day. You know, if if a, if a defenseman was able to make a pass, you gave him three awards. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, lacrosse nowadays, when when you look at Shaw and Beatties, I mean, 
Like what, what the heck? You know, I, I'd hate to be a defender playing with him at times because you do everything right and, and it still winds up in the cage. So it's exciting to see some of these guys play nowadays. It's unbelievable. Talent is, is crazy. Yeah, well, uh, you should have seen Rex at a couple practices when we had to do b- breakout drills and uh, Coach Brecht let him have it. <laughs> no, nah, he, nah, he didn't. After nah. hearing that about the old-time defenseman, I'm just going to call myself an old-school style defenseman. <laughs> you, you, you actually knock people down once in a while. Yeah, that, that's about all, yeah, that's about the extent of it. No, it means they don't, they don't let him north of the restraining box. That's what that means. <laughs> I haven't thrown a left-handed pass since high school. <laughs> <laughs> coach obviously you're a accomplished high school coach i coach high school now um i've been coaching for i guess one season but you know two years now um getting ready to go into my my second full season because last year COVID canceled us right before our first game what would you say is like your number one takeaway you know key to success as a coach going into a season what what do you try to instill in the guys to like that will carry any team or what is like uh like a common factor between, you know, the greater teams that you coach? Well, you, you, you always have to realize that that the kids have to get along. It's no different in college. If your team is not getting along, if they don't treat each other with respect on the field, they're certainly not going to do it off the field. Uh, you have to teach or not teach. You have to impose a culture where um, you, you, you only expect good behavior on the field. I mean, the skills and stuff, X's and O's, you you know, you know that stuff. Every coach knows it. It's not about the X's and O's. It's all those variables that go go into, especially in high school. You know, you you have to realize when you walk on that field, you are teaching more than just lacrosse. You are teaching those kids for their future. Uh, you have to instill good behavior. Um, I, I know we could we talk about cursing and stuff a lot. I would not allow my co- my kids to co- to curse on the field. We had certain rules, just couldn't do it. Uh, you know, the practice being on time. You were always on time. If you weren't five minutes early, you were 10 minutes late. I think Vince Lombardi said that or somebody famous other than me said something that made sense. But that's that we did. If we started practice on 8.30, and I would practice at 8.30 on Saturday mornings to discourage any Friday night, you know, being – too late at the movies and stuff, but 8.30, if you walked on the field at 8.35, you lost your privilege to be at practice. You told the kid, go home. I, you know, as a coach, I was there at 7.30. You know, how dare you show up at 8.35 when we're going to start our cows at 8.30? You've got to be on the field. So you have to instill different things. You know, what you believe is right. Not It's, you know, there's no specific book to coaching that will say, what, what should you do to make a great team? Listen, you're, you're in, especially in high school, you're only going to get the skilled kids that you have. You can improve on those skills. You can do a lot of different things to help improve those skills. But remember, when you step on that field or even in the classroom, you're doing so much more than teaching and coaching lacrosse. You're preparing those kids for the future. And I know that's hard um, and, and it sounds philosophical at times, uh, but if you could keep that in mind, um, you, know, you know, college coaches get to recruit you're buying your players basically, you know? So if you don't do well, you just bought the wrong kids in high school. You're stuck with what you got. You can't go to the neighboring high school and say, Hey, give me those guys. You know, you know, uh, I'll give you a free lunch and a bag of burritos. You know, you, 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 you know, you, you got what you got. So, you know, you're going to make the best of it. And, and again, um, 
if you're going to be in a high school, you're te- you're in a high school Rex. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you have to really start. It's, it's never that team. Just like you, like I told you, your 2018 team had a lot to do with this 2021 team. You guys in the junior high or whatever, or, you know, whatever youth groups you start with, that's the importance of your program. You've got to get your best coaches there. You've got to instill whatever your culture that you would expect at the high school. You have to start it in that, in those youth groups. And, and you have to be around a lot. You can't just practice with your high school guys. You have to be visible to the, all the programs underneath you that supply your teams. I don't know if that answers your question. What you know, oh, we can sit down and talk weeks about what you know what makes a good program. Hey, listen, you know, a, a lot of my success. It, it, <laughs> I was in a high school where we had thirteen hundred seniors. You know, so it, it's a big school. So we carried forty-four players on our team. So I had numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I when I uh, retired and went over to Mount Sinai just to coach with a good friend of mine, uh, it was a smaller school. And, you know, we didn't have 44 on the team. We had like 26. It was a rude awakening and adjustment for me because I learned how a lot of other coaches had a coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you couldn't just turn to the bench and go next. You looked right. at the bench and go, oh, I don't want to go to the next guy. So, <laughs> so you have to really, really put things in perspective and, and, and just – you know, it's a whole program. It's not just your team from year to year because you'll never get a culture going with just coaching that pro your high school team. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I totally – I can totally see that in my program now and see, you know, you know where it, where, I, where it came from. I know the previous coach was not very culture-oriented and, and they did not speak very highly of him. So I don't know him, so I won't speak on what he is or isn't. But I do know that – you know, a lot of people put a lot of effort into developing the program. So I was just curious to hear, uh, you know, with all your years of coaching high school across how it, how it, what you took away from and, it. And understand this, not every kid is going to like you. Mm-hmm. Certainly not every parent's going to like you. <laughs> <laughs> they're only going to like you if the kid is doing well and they're not always going to do well. So they're never going to like you a lot. So uh, bear in mind that not every kid is going to like you. I used to tell the kids, Hey, listen, you don't have to send me a, a Christmas card in the future. You don't have to invite me to your wedding. You, but when you're on this field, you have to do what I ask you to do. And you have to respect every player on this field. And you have to respect each other and, and, and everybody else around you. So don't, don't think that, you know, you have to have every kid like you, you know, you're not going to be the most popular guy in the field at times. Yeah. You, you, you have to be their coach. Guys, let's talk about sunglasses. Are you sick and tired of having sunglasses that don't live up to their reputation? I have, and I'm sick of it. It's time to make your outdoor experiences better with Canon. Canon sunglasses are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. They're made with Japanese optics that make their lenses clearer, lighter, stronger, and Italian handcrafted frames that are impossible to scratch. Use the exclusive code CANONCAST15 at Canon.com to receive 15% off your first pair. That's K-A-E-N-O-N-C-A-S-T-1-5. Canon. Clearly better for sure for sure no doubt well kind of piggybacking off the fat the uh you know having an impact on the game and, and your teammates and all that um i know you do some work with world lacrosse am i am i right on that absolutely yeah yeah so one of my my first time coming to Rutgers, you know i went into coach breck's office i think my sister had a tournament in the area and i kind of was it stopped by and coach coach hayes was sitting in there in the office and then you know, I didn't know anything about him um, mm-hmm. or like the history of Rutgers at all, but he kind of started, you know, started talking to him and we sat there and talked for probably 20 minutes 
he started getting into the world lacrosse um, picture. And he was telling me that, you know, he's going to, to like conferences and showing this highlight video. Um, um, so, you know, that was, you know, seven years ago. And he kind of gave me a breakdown of where world lacrosse is and, you know, the state of the game internationally. So I was just curious to hear, you know, how has it grown in those past seven years and what's your role in that um, now? And do you work closely with Coach Hayes? I, I do. In fact, Coach Hayes brought me into it. We're world lacrosse now. We're the governing body of all lacrosse internationally, like like FIFA is with soccer. Uh, we're the governing body of lacrosse throughout the world. And when Coach Hayes brought me in uh, 2011. He had asked me to come and speak, I think. Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a letter. It was the I think it was an awards dinner, lacrosse awards dinner. Sure, that's what it was. And and that day he had asked me as we we're walking out. And he had asked me for years after I retired, the first couple of years after I retired, to get involved with World Across. And I was like, yeah, 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 sure. And he, he walking out, he said, hey, listen, is, do you have a passport, uh, you know, that's current? And I said, yeah, I do. He goes, well, I got to go to Thailand in, in next month. And would you like to go with me? And I said, Tom, you know, and Tom was my coach. He was my coach during my senior year. Um, that was his first year as coach. And I said, what are we going to do in Thailand? He goes, well, I got some international lacrosse work to do and I'd like you to come. I said, well, what would be, you know, what would be, what would I be doing? He says, well, they have a national team and I'd like you to help coach them for a week. So I said, sure. <laughs> so <laughs> a month later, I'm in a plane, I'm going to Thailand and I'm walking around in the streets of Thailand with Tom and I'm going, you know, when I was a 12 year old kid in Brentwood, a very diverse community, and just thinking, you know, the, the furthest thing from my mind would have been that, you know, here I am years later playing lacrosse through college and high school and college. And, and now I'm in Thailand and I'm going to teach people in Thailand how to play this game of lacrosse. And it just hit me that I was given back to the game that gave so much to me in my life. I can now give it back at a different level besides high school because I had just retired from coaching two or three years earlier. So that's how I got involved because of Tom Hayes. And I'll give you a little background on Tom Hayes. You know, back when international lacrosse was just getting started, Tom Hayes was one of the founding members. Uh, him and, and three or four other guys got together and said, hey, you know, we should do like the Olympics do. We should get a world championship in lacrosse. And back then it was the United States, Canada, England, maybe, yeah, the United States and Australia. There were only four countries playing. And they sat in a room having a couple of brewskis and they said, we're going to do this thing every four years. And that was four teams. Fast forward, there are now 70 teams in the, in the, in the world playing lacrosse. Um, and, and in the last few years, we're in lightning speed. So we've gone from a voluntary uh, organization where it was basically coaches, myself, to Coach Hayes, and, and a lot of other people, Bob DeMarco, um, who was the uh, assistant cage, uh, coach with Tom Hayes uh, at Rutgers for 20 something years as the defensive coordinator um, is very involved. He's on the board uh, for world lacrosse and him and I work closely all the time in development. Um, and we've basically been all over the world. Uh, like I said, we have 70 countries. For example, yesterday I was on the phone with South Africa. Yesterday was Saudi Arabia. I'm sorry. And last week we were on the phone with uh, South Africa. And those two teams are coming in as member countries. Now, who would have ever thought that Saudi Arabia and South Africa would have lacrosse? And yet we're developing lacrosse in those countries. Um, so, you know, 
in, in, in the last, since 2011, when I went to Thailand, I've been to Belgium, but I've been to Russia, I've been to China, Mexico, Taiwan, uh, Croatia, England, Greece, uh, Australia, Luxembourg, Israel. Um, that's just the name of a few of the countries. So I know I'm being long-winded into your question here, uh, the answer to your question, but world across is exploding. Um, we're hoping that we're going to be in the 2028 Olympics in Los Angeles. We think we have a very good chance of that happening. Um, we've got a lot of work ahead of us. Um, you know, we, again, we went from a voluntary uh, staff. We have seven or eight full-time paid staff members. We have a CEO, Jim Shear, who's very involved and, 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 and works very hard and relentlessly uh, to expose this game and develop this game throughout the world. Maybe, maybe Rex, you'll be on that Olympic team in a few years. <laughs> I'll keep my fingers crossed. We'll you see never it. know, right? Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, it would be something. It would be something. Uh, that's cool. You get to travel all the all over the world. Just goes to show you how far lacrosse can take you nowadays. You know, it it's the best. Can get you a job. You know, can take you across the world. So, and the people you meet, and 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 the experiences, and you know, lacrosse is a universal language. You know, uh, everybody says the first question they say to me is. You know, how, do, how do you how do you coach or you know communicate with people all around the world? They said, "Listen, I I taught for thirty three years. None of my students understood what I what I was saying. Anyhow, so I'm used to it. So I, you know, I'm kind of used to nobody understanding what I'm saying. So it it it, it it's great. I mean, the challenges are there. Um, you know, you, you go to countries where they have nothing, uh, and and then you go to countries where you go back five years later, and they're really playing." They're playing the game of lacrosse pretty good, you know. Uh, so you, you know, it, it's it's been great to be involved with that. It's it's been a blessing. Awesome. Well, thank you for the work you're doing. That's uh, that's really great. I love uh, love hearing the progress report. You know, seven years later, after talking to Coach Hayes, he was saying it was growing back then, but it sounds like you know the number he gave me is you know it's it's been doubled now. Of how many countries are playing? So now it's mm -hmm. awesome to see so much progress is being made. Yep. Yeah. Just uh. <clears throat> Ironic you said that, Rex, because I remember my recruiting visit. I'm walking with my dad and I'm walking with Coach Brackton. I forgot which hall we were in. And he's like, yeah, 20, 2024, you could play for Team Canada. I'm thinking, okay, that's pretty cool. And now to see it develop. And then the one thing I applaud about Rutgers lacrosse is how things go full circle. And what I'm alluding to here is, um, so I did a dissertation. So I did my MBA and I did a dissertation on the uh, – how lacrosse is doing at a domestic level within the U.S. and internationally. So like you said, um, or alluded to, from 2002 to 2019, World Lacrosse has 244% membership growth for up to 62 countries. And um, you're going to be aiming for the 2028 Summer Olympic Games in L.A. And how that kind of pulls into Rutgers Lacrosse is guys like you, who've gone all around the world, advocated for the game, guys like Rex Road, Jules, Christian Mazone, moving out west to untraditional areas and building grassroots programs in the west. I moved to Colorado Grand Junction, and it starts with us. And we're all connected by this game, whether we're in Canada, the U.S., and and just building everything up. So I, I'm fired up for the future of this, and it. I think of Rutgers across has done a fantastic job, not only playing but coaching and advocating for the sport in general. Absolutely. The guys from New Jersey, so. And Long Island. <laughs> I, I, give you, I, I give you a brief story. When I, when I first started uh, on the development committee and started going around the world, we had a budget. Uh, Bob DeMarco and I had a budget of, I think it was 25000 to get to all of these countries and help develop them. And, you know, and so we were sitting, when, when you got in the airport, 
you know, we were sitting in the back, 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 back seat and we had to help serve the snacks. Um, that was part of our ticket. <laughs> Tom Hayes said to me one day, uh, you got to get a hold of this guy and he's in Hong Kong and he, you know, we're looking for people to help support that, you know, help support our cause. And we've got to start getting donors. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to say who the donor was, but Bob DeMarco and I wound up going to Hong Kong, seeing if we could get a meeting with this guy. And, you know, it's like getting a, getting an audition with the Pope. And we didn't think we'd ever get to see him. And I get a phone call and he, he he's a lacrosse player. He actually played lacrosse. I knew his coach. Um, you know, that's how lacrosse is. It's who you, everybody knows everybody in lacrosse. And he found out, you know, that I knew his coach and Bob DeMarco and his background. And uh, so we had dinner. We wound up having dinner uh, with this gentleman and our wives were invited. And um, we're in Hong Kong and we went up 95 floors to this restaurant overlooking Hong Kong and, you know, um, had a great dinner. And we, and we, you know, I didn't know what to say to him. I brought in, um, <laughs> I brought in a report. You know, how you do those pie, you know, those pie charts. <laughs> It was like I was. I had to look up how to do it. I had made one since sixth grade. <laughs> I had a pie chart and I laminated it and everything else. And he's one of the smartest, richest guys in the world, and very business oriented. And I'm going to show him this pie chart of what our needs are and how much we're spending. So I basically, after about 15 minutes, I threw it in the waste paper basket because I realized all he wanted to do was talk about what lacrosse. He didn't want to talk business. He didn't want to know anything. He just wanted to talk about all the guys we knew, all the guys he knew, when he played, when I played, when Bob DeMarco played. And that's what it's all about. It's about lacrosse. So we went from a $30,000 budget, $25,000 budget in development, uh, to a point where we just gave like $190,000 in grants for development to different countries during these COVID times. So a you know, he, he, he's one of our supporters uh, and he wants to remain uh, anonymous. Uh, but just the connection with lacrosse, give a guy a phone call, say, you know, I'm with World Lacrosse. Uh, can we sit down and talk? It winds up having a dinner and winds up being into a, a situation where we can now have uh, a full time staff and we're funded. And, uh, and and that's why we're going so fast and excelling so well in, in world lacrosse those connections and you guys are going to make them too you're going to make all those connections in lacrosse throughout the world uh, not the world throughout whatever you choose to do in business or or teaching uh uh going forward yeah, for sure it, it's it's you know, crazy sorry you got this one steve i was just gonna say rick it's it's really it's really heartening to hear you say that and, and i couldn't agree more because you know I've, I've only been out in the working world now for for a couple of years and and it never ceases to amaze me that when it happens to come up in conversation people will be like oh yeah like you know you, you know, steven didn't you play lacrosse at rutgers like so-and-so played lacrosse at you know fill in the blank other school and then now all of a sudden you've got you've got that spark you've got something in, in common with them you're like okay like i might decide in 15 minutes i don't like you but like as of right now we got something to talk about we got we got mutual ground um with that in mind, and you, you've touched on it in a couple of your answers, but I'm, I'm curious to, to dive in a little bit deeper on it. You talked about the sense of Rutgers community, whether it be around around the, or the lacrosse community, around the world, how you've seen it at Rutgers. Um, your specific involvement, though, you know, so many years on Long Island, coaching, playing, coaching and playing at, uh, playing at Rutgers, right? Can you speak uh, any words or thoughts specifically in the lacrosse community in those specific hotbeds, whether it be New Jersey and Long Island, and kind of why it, it it tends to always 
you know, you, you, you always seem to see these small circles that trace themselves back to these same areas, whether it be like in New Jersey or Long Island. So can you speak a little bit to those communities specifically, why you think lacrosse means so much to some of these communities? Well, it, you know, it, 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 it's, a, it's a culture in those communities. I mean, I grew up in Long Island. You know what? I, I, before we even go that way, I, I disagree with you a little bit because I look at rosters nowadays, and it used to be Long Island, Maryland, and upstate New York, pockets of upstate mm-hmm. New York. And if you had other guys on your team, uh, you know, you just pull them out of a math class or something just to make up numbers on your team. Uh, but now you look at rosters and you, know, you can see Rutgers rosters. I mean, Utah and Colorado and Georgia and, and you know, obviously Canada and, 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 and all, you know, you know, the West Coast, Florida. Now you're getting a lot of great players out of Florida. Um, but, you, you know, yeah, look, you know, it takes time. Um, you know, when I first started coaching at Rutgers, um, I'm sorry, at uh, Sachem High School, uh, we would come to Bridgewater, uh, Raritan, to, to scrimmage uh, Chuck Appel's team. Um, and it was really not very competitive. I mean, we used to just run up and down, and I would do it more or less because it was a favor, and, you know, and Chuck was really putting in a lot of work and wanted to make his teams great. And I'll tell you, by the time we were ending my career, I'm sure Chuck could have beat us, you know, just as much as we could beat him. So it, it takes time. Uh, you know, New Jersey, I remember giving a clinic, and I think it was Piscataway or Highland Park or something, introducing lacrosse when Tom Hayes first came because he was into that spreading the culture around in your community, um, a touch and They never got lacrosse, they, or they didn't at that time. Um, and we gave a clinic for uh, lacrosse. New Jersey really didn't have lacrosse. Now you look at it, wow, a lot of great players coming out of New Jersey, some of the best, in fact. Um, so it's going to take time. I think you'll, you'll start to see international players on these. Well, besides Canada, sorry, (laughs) besides Canada, you're going to start seeing other international players. I really believe that you're going to see one or two. Um, I watched a video. I can't remember the other day. It was a women's lacrosse game and it was a Japanese young lady, a a lady, a young lady from Japan and she scored a goal. And I think it might've been a first, Japanese player that played in a division one women's game. Uh, and I was thrilled. Uh, I was thrilled, but I think you're going to see more and more of lacrosse and yes, it will be coming back to long Island and you'll see it coming back to, um, uh, upstate New York and you'll see Maryland, obviously that's probably never going to be lost or it's going to take a long time for it to go away where it's, you know, the same as every other place in the country. That's because it's instilled in, in, in the culture of those communities. Um, you know, you never, when you used to see a kid with a lacrosse stick in New Jersey or anywhere else, you go, wow, that's, that's, that's weird. Now you expect it. Anywhere you go, you pass a school, a high school, you see lacrosse cages on the fields. It, it's like, you don't even think about it. It's not it's lacrosse cages. But I remember when I used to see a lacrosse cage off of Long Island, I used to go, wow, that's, that's great. Where'd that come from? Somebody must have stole one. What are you using it for soccer or something? It can't field hockey. But, but I think, Stephen, that um, I think those those hotbeds will continue to be there. But I think there are a lot. It's 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 spreading throughout the country. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with that more. Yeah. Could not agree more. Hey, by the way, you know, we're we're, we're on, you know, we're on, uh, you know, podcast. So you can't see my face. And my mother always said I had, you know, I had a face for radio. But um you know, the, 
The listeners can't see that picture that you guys got up of Alex Schoen. It looks like something out of Mad Magazine. Which <laughs> oh, yeah. That yeah. <laughs> it's distracting to me. <laughs> oh, so you got to update that, man. He took it off. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> <laughs> You're the best, buddy. That's that's so funny. But um, I'm gonna ha- ask a more uh, a more funny question. But um, as I mentioned before, my high school coach played for you, Jamie Lovejoy. Um, obviously, you know your families are connected or through Sachem. But do you remember in uh, 20? So you mentioned that you did uh, high school cross games. Do you remember in 2015? It was my second to last game my senior year. You actually interviewed me after we beat a, beat Livingston, and it was like the first round of the Group Four playoffs. Oh, when I was one. The Fios one? No, I don't remember that. <laughs> How'd I do? How did you do? More importantly, how did you no, do? You... <laughs> um, it was. I mean, I wish. I wish I could find the clip, and I wish uh, Alex could put it in there. But like, it was. It was really funny. Uh, I mean, Coach Lovejoy made fun of me for weeks because, like, during the middle of it, you were like, inter- you were you were saying serious questions, and I like shouted out my mom. It's like, hey, mom and dad, like during it. So no, it was a really really amazing. It was a, it was a, it was an amazing just just thing to happen. I wish I wish I could find the video. After that, Coach Lovejoy would consistently play it, just making fun of me because you know it was just one of those moments. Then he was like, you know, who interviewed him, and he was like, oh, okay, that makes a lot more sense now. You know, we and had all for full circle. Yeah, we had four or five guys that from Sachem that went to um, to play that Rutgers. Uh, Jamie, I think, was the last of my players, uh, but Scott Hilly and Mike Yaruso, guys you wouldn't remember in the 90s, and, mm-hmm. and Dean Falzone. And I think we had five guys going, and four of them became captains. And, you know, um, and Rex, to your, to your question, you, you know, before about, you know, culture and stuff at the high school, you know, when we sent players um, to college, and it was different then, yeah, you know, I could pick up the phone and call any guy up, and he knew I was going to blow smoke up there somewhere else um how'd you like that we had danced around that one but um you know college coach knew when i was going to pick up that phone and tell him hey listen i gotta there was no such thing as film they didn't want to hit they got film but they wanted to know when you called him and said this guy is the guy for you he you 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 need an attack guy uh you need a face-off guy and this is your guy um you know you want to get to that point when you're talking to college coaches that they know you're honest they know that you are, you know, you don't want to get a kid in college just to say you got a kid in the college. You want them to go and be successful at that college. And I have to tell you, we, we, we had a lot of kids play, a lot of kids. I don't even want to get in how many and how many All-Americans and national championships. But I got to tell you, and again, I'm not a mathematician and back to my pie, pie graph and all of that, but I, I think about 60, 70% of the kids that we sent to college from Sachem wound up being captains of those teams at some point in their career. Um, and, and I was really proud of that because I knew I was doing the right thing uh, by a getting them the right school to go to. And, 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 and knowing that that, co- that college coach would come back to me, uh, you know, and say, Hey, you got another guy that like that guy that you sent me, my team captain, I want another guy like that. Um, so, uh, you know, I just gave that a thought uh, Rex as, as I came back to, you know, a little bit of tidbit, what do you want to do when you're, you know, high school coach, uh, you know, create those kind of guys that you want to go on and be leaders, just like you guys are going out to be leaders in, in, in the fields you're in right now. And Alex, really, Absolutely. you know, don't put, don't, don't put that picture on your resume at any time. So get, get a real picture. <laughs> <Off the LinkedIn>, <laughs> <John>. <laughs> <laughs> All 
<laughs> um, I, I, I have, I have one more question. I don't know if any of the other guys have any other questions, but um, you know, since you're such a integral part of the Rutgers lacrosse community and we have other really famous alumni, like uh, coach Janowski, coach Appel, uh, Reed Jackson, Scott Beater, Jules Henningberg, Michael Rexrow, just name a few. Um, how important, I know it's a phenomenal list, but just how important has Rutgers lacrosse just been to you and just connecting to the alumni? Like how important is that to you just being one of the like older guys that have just seen so many different people through this program? It's everything to me. It, it's totally everything to me. You know, uh, it, lacrosse at Rutgers is not for college days alone. You're going to be there for a blink of an eye. You know, your four years, it's a blink of an eye. I know the times when you're playing, you're saying, oh, man, I've had enough of this. You know, it's time to move on. But then, you know, you know, listen, I wasn't a very good player. You know, you know, 60 years later, I, I was great. You know, the, the stories get better and you get better with age. You, you just, you know, enough people die that we, you know, they can't say that you stunk. You just say, oh, another guy, okay, he doesn't know I was he doesn't know I'm not that good. I'll just tell him how great I was. But the alumni, and, I, and here's another thing, what I've seen, and I've always been uh, a strong supporter of, of Rutgers lacrosse, um, obviously. Um, but the support for Rutgers lacrosse in the last 10 years, I'd have to say, since Coach Brecht, um, and you, you guys probably don't realize this, uh, prior to Coach Brecht, in between Tom Hayes, we had a very dark period, um, you know, between Tom Hayes and the hiring of Coach, Coach Brecht. Um, in terms of, you know, just success in a program and alumni participation. Um, and Coach Brett, one of the things I suggested to him when he first came in, and I think he learned this in all the colleges he, he was the assistant at, is you got to get your alumni behind you. You really do. Um, and he does. He works, he works relentlessly on alumni support. Because there are times where your budget is just not the budget that Rutgers is going to uh, supply for the team is not going to be enough. And, 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 you, and you need alumni donations. Uh, it wasn't too long ago you weren't of you didn't have full allotment of scholarships and it was based on in-state tuition. Um, so you didn't have, you know, the, you know, you didn't have the full you weren't on equal terms with the with the rest of the, uh, the teams you were playing against. Um, and I think alumni support and pressure helped in that direction. Um, you see a lot, lot more alumni at games. There were times I'd go to Rutgers games and I didn't see two other people I knew. And one of them was the girl who sold the tickets that I saw every year. So, I mean, you know, the alumni support now and, and, and what, you're, what, you, what you guys are doing. Uh, I mean, your 2018 team, you talk highly of each other. You're on this, you're on this podcast, you go to games. You support Rutgers lacrosse, and I think that's important. I think you need a, a strong alumni base, and I think, uh, you know, it goes a long way. A lot of my fraternity brothers now support Rutgers lacrosse financially, and they, call, and they come to games. I mean, these are doctors and lawyers uh, who, you know, they used to watch me play and, you know, just break my shoes at, you know, at the fraternity house. But now they support lacrosse because I got them involved. And Coach Breck, once I get them involved, Coach Breck reaches out to them makes them feel part of their family, you know, even though they didn't play lacrosse and he keeps in contact with them and they're coming to games, you know? There is no doubt no. that Co Coach Brecht is like so relentless in connecting with alumni. You see when we were in 2015, when we were as freshmen and the progression with the alumni base, like the number of people who would come to games, us going to the, like um, the banquets, us going to the New York city trips. I remember one year, 
like we go to Bank of America and then we go to like uh, Jimmy Kimmel's like set on NBC. So the, just the progression of that, um, which is awesome. But my question to you is, do you ever receive handwritten, handwritten letters from Coach Breck to your house or have yeah, you at all? But I, I've got a lot of them and I, I, I brought them to China to see if I could get them translated one year. <laughs> I, can't, I, can, I can't read them. He still does it and it's, that's how, how relentless he is. And then when I was coaching the past two years, I would do the same thing with recruits and families as well and send them off and being like, wow, I'm really doing this right now. So it's funny to hear that. This is, um, Coach, this has been absolutely amazing. Um, I know that, you know, everybody here is extremely, you know, uh, thankful for your time here. I know, you know, it's been an incredible just, you know, honor almost to talk to you, talk about Rutgers lacrosse, you know, being a recent alumni, you know, we carry that connection with each other. So it's just awesome that you you actually took the time for us to come on this podcast and, you know, just share some of your thoughts and everything. So I truly thank just all the time that you've given us. And Ryan, Alex, hey, thanks for doing this. This is great. Um, you know, are you, baby? Keep it going. And uh, let's – I'll see you guys next week, I hope, okay? Absolutely. No, I was there this week. I'll be there in the next two game days, so I'm sure I will. And I'll hear you guys on the – I'll hear you on, you know, color commentating, doing your, you know, crypto catchphrase and stuff like that. And when this COVID thing goes away, I expect hamburgers from you guys at the tailgates. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of coca-colas you got it uh thanks coach you're good you guys are the best man wait ryan ryan you forgot to ask coach um his favorite catchphrase dude yeah. coach uh what is your the favorite thing you've ever said on the air you know because i've i've heard some funny things but what's the favorite thing most famous thing that you've ever said <laughs> Well, I, I like my bada bing, bada bang, bada boom. <laughs> I get excited, and that's what I said. I've always said it. You know, they think, oh, you know, since the go, you know, uh, it's it's new. But I've I've said that you know for thirty years when I was coaching. You know, I love when that pass goes bing bang boom, and you know, and sometimes it's a it goes bing bang dud. But you know, you, you like to you, know, you like to yell it out. There's a lot of things. They just come to me. Hey, you made it to the end, or I'm just talking to myself and Ryan. You stay classy, Piscataway. We've seen some big games in the past here at High Point Solution Stadium. None bigger today, here and now. Well, we talked about it right from the get-go. Coach Breck was hoping his team would come out fast and furious, and they have so far. Do we let him get his hands free, and he's going to bury that rock in the back of that basket. And here we go. There was a lot of heat on that. Whoa, look at the snow behind him. It's about that ball went from the stick to the cage like raw spaghetti, man. They were on a rope. Seventh season. Yeah, they just tenured him as a professor here. Running down. Going down. Like a locomotive. Bada bang! Rutgers has numbers, Lou. Here we go. And the shot. Bang! He took dollars out of his kid's pocket. Watch it. Bang! Put that ball on the ground and they're off to the races. And they're on none better. And the RU offense in transition. Holy jumping Joe, watch this. That's your typical bottom bang, bottom bang, bottom boom. Boom the ball. Bang, 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 boom. Just gets the shot. He, he paid the price on it, but it's a good price to pay. A great win for the Rutgers in the Big Ten. Oh, look at it. Pass and shot. Goal. We say what here in Jersey, Luke? Bottom bang, bottom boom, bottom bang.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.